So welcome back to the daily podcast, Catholic Traveler podcast, where we are going to the Lenten Station Churches, bringing you to a new church every single day of Lent. Hi, Joni. Hi, Mountain. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, today we are going, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite churches, but this church felt like like I accomplished something when I went to it the first time because it's a church. Same here. Oh, really? Is that your story? (laughs) (laughs) That was part of my story. Okay. Okay. I want to hear your story. Why did you feel like you accomplished something? Because I'd heard about this church for so long. So it's San Pietro and Vincoli, St. Peter and Chains. And it seemed like, I don't know. It just seemed like so far out of reach. Even I mean, it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hidden. I mean, it's kind sort of, of hidden. It's you have to go up those steps. Well, it depends which way you're coming. Well, I guess only if you go a certain way. Yeah, that's yeah true. it's Sorry. it's near. Go on. So, <laughs> for the listeners, this church is in the neighborhood of Monti, which is a very like hipster part of town. Very cool neighborhood. Um, a lot of good churches there, including this one. But it's also where the Colosseum is. So it's right by the Colosseum, but it's up a hill. Or up steps if you're coming from like the kind of the residential area of Monti, you go up a bunch of steps. But I had been to Rome maybe four or five times, and I'd heard of this church, but I didn't know where it was, even though I mean it's in every guidebook because of some of the stuff that's inside. But it just it seemed like out of the way or someplace I wouldn't go. And so the first time I went, I felt like like, wow, I really accomplished something today by finding and visiting this church. What's your story? Nice. So when I went to St. Peter Change, I think it would have been the first time was when I was studying in Rome in 05 and we were doing the station churches and we would wake up every morning at like 5.30 and take the bus to the station church. So this morning, a group of us went and we didn't, our professor didn't go with us. Uh, We had this fantastic professor who really gave us a lot of independence and really helped us see Rome well. And he didn't go with us that morning. And so a big group of us went and we found it all by ourselves. And we'd only been in, living in Rome maybe a week and a half. And so for a bunch of 20-year-old, 21-year-olds to, I don't know, we we were so proud of ourselves. And then we also then had to find the next church. We were going to have a tour that day. So we went a lot out into the town to do art and architecture tours. So not only did we have to get to the church by ourselves, we had to then find San Clemente. And so we not only found St. Peter and Chains by ourselves, but then we found San Clemente by ourselves. And our professor was late for the tour because he was waiting back at the house for all of us, assuming that we didn't wake up to go to the station church. So he said, I didn't think the citizenry was so virtuous. So he waited for us and we weren't there. And so then he came and met us. And the other memory I have, so I felt very accomplished as well. Um, But I also remember it was Valentine's Day and because I was just reading my journal. And it was the day after Sister Lucia died. So one of the visionaries of Fatima died the day before, and they announced it at that neck mass. And I don't, we probably wouldn't have found out otherwise, because you don't find out, you know, news when you're living over there and don't know Italian. So anyway, I have lots of little memories attached to St. Peter and Chains. How did your professor know that you were waiting at San Clemente? This was like before... It was before cell phones and everything. So he was just waiting. And then he he knew we were going to go to San Clemente. Like that was the established plan. He just doubted that we would all wake up that early and go. 
especially it was a large group of us. And so there had been about five of us that were doing the station churches every day. But that morning, I think there were like 15 of us that woke up. And so he doubted in that that many people had gotten. But eventually he just had to leave and go to San Clemente because he figured we were all there. And we were. Oh, very good. Life before cell phones was much more complicated. And simpler. <laughs> and simpler. You're right. <laughs> yeah. San, Cle- so, San Clemente is another station church. We'll be visiting that one soon as well. Um, but San Pietro and Vincoli. nearby. It's kind of crazy that, well, like your professor wouldn't take you there or that I had never been there. I mean, he would. We just hadn't been there yet. We we were only in the second week of school. Oh, but he did take you there another time for art and architecture. Yeah, because there is a very, very important statue in this church, which is why it's, I mean, if you're on a, a secular tour, then especially one that's like geared towards art or something, a lot of people go to this church. Um, for some reason for me, I just didn't make it those first five or so times. Um, but in this church is, I mean, it's not even a statue. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a complex of statues. So it is Michelangelo's Moses, right? Do you have anything to say about this, Joni? Oh, I love the Moses. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking you had you didn't go there for five or six times. If this statue is in another city, people, I mean, maybe people do flock to it, but there's just so much to see in Rome that it's funny. You're like, oh, I'll get around to seeing Michelangelo's Moses the fifth or sixth time I go to the city because there's so much to see. But um, so this was supposed to be part of a very, very large tomb in St. Peter's like St. Peter's Basilica, not St. Peter's in Chains. And Pope Julius II com- you know, commissioned Michelangelo to make this amazing tomb for him, 40 statues, all like huge, amazing works of art. Like three stories and, tall. Yeah, incredible. Like not like little tiny statues, like 40 huge statues, like the size of Moses or bigger. And, you know, they got in a lot of arguments about this and Julius kept giving him other jobs and it was quite a saga. It took Michelangelo's whole life. He just wanted to do this tomb. That's all he wanted to do was make this tomb. And, you know, they're giving him ceilings to paint and, you know, all this stuff. So he was um, really annoyed at the end of it. But he did the Moses and he started some other pieces that are now too large. So eventually... The tomb never happened in St. Peter's, obviously. Like, Julius II was going to put it in the middle of St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. Which. Do you know where he's buried now? (laughs) Well, in St. Peter's. He's in St. Peter's, (laughs) but he's in a place that nobody visits. He's like behind. You can't even get there usually. You can't. No. it's, It's behind the main altar to the right, but there's barriers set up so that you can't get to it. And he is, it's basically the broom closet of St. Peter's <laughs> because this is where they, they park the Zamboni that cleans the floors. This is where they stack all the chairs that are used for the masses. So, you know, he had this big plan for this three-story elaborate tomb designed by Michelangelo. And now he's in the floor of the broom closet of St. Peter's that no one can visit. For a while, he was in someone else's tomb even. They're like, oh, we don't know where to put you. We'll put you in this person's tomb. And I then they moved they, him. And... I think that there's still like two oh, names. Oh, he might still be in some... Yeah, I probably. think there's two names on the tomb. I could be wrong. I, don't, I have a picture of it, but I don't I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so he, all that really remains of this is 
is the Moses. He started Leah and Rachel on either side, but they were finished by someone else. And then his the other stuff he started was too large. Once they moved it to a much smaller area in St. Peter and Chains, they never like they ended up putting him in keeping him in Florence because there was just no place to put these huge statues. Yeah, the they call them the prisoners. So they're in the uh, the Academia in Florence, um, and they call them prisoners not because they were prisoners on the statue, but because they were imprisoned in the marble. And Michelangelo felt like his duty, he was his job, his vocation was to free whatever God had put into the stone. And so what he did was he chipped away enough marble so that you could see like the face coming out of the marble or the arm. Um, so he kind of set them free from their prison of being in the stone. And it's really cool to, if you ever visit Florence, go to the Academia where David is, like that's why everybody goes is for David. But as you're walking up to David, you can see these prisoners and how Michelangelo worked in setting these people free. Um, but like you said, he wanted to work on this this tomb for Julius II, and it was his life's work. He didn't want to paint. He thought that anybody could paint. His job was a sculptor, and you know. He didn't think the Pietà was his greatest work. He didn't think the David was his greatest work. It was going to be the tomb of Julius II. And so it's kind of sad that he never got to finish it. So I think sometimes we don't even, like, especially if you are if you haven't studied art, if you're not an art historian, you can look at the Moses and be like, oh, that's great. What a great statue. But to really look at the preciseness of the muscles and the even the I don't know what they are veins in the hands it's just incredible it's it's incredible to think that this is marble and he makes it look fleshy and real and it's just it's beautiful and the beard and the beard yeah looks hairy he looks it, <laughs> it, it does look hairy so, so that's the important art piece. Well, I, I like what you said about how if this was anywhere else in the world, like this would be the main attraction. But in Rome, you can it's, come like many yeah. times and not see it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's just one thing in this church. It's not even kind of the main thing in the church because the church is called St. Peter in Chains. Yeah. Why is chains. that, Mountain? Well, Peter was hel held in prison. Uh, a few times, Jerusalem, Rome, and Rome he was held at Mamertine Prison. And so both of these times, he would have been in chains, right? And so it's said yep. that the chains were saved, they were brought to Rome, and when they brought the two chains together, they miraculously connected. Fused. Fused. Fused yeah. together. Yeah. And so you can see those under the high altar, they're lit up in a little glass case. And so you can see the chains that held St. Peter. Yeah. And you can tell that it's two different types of chain. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where it gets its name. And also what I think is interesting in this church near the chains is that you don't see this too often in art, but occasionally you'll see Peter depicted as he was martyred. So usually you see Peter depicted with keys. Um, but this church has him in his martyrdom, which is Peter on an upside-down cross. So people that don't really get that story, they see that and they're like, oh, what's that all about? Why is there an upside-down cross in this church? 
And it's because that's how Peter was martyred. Um, but I think it's it's just it's interesting to see. You've got the change, you've got Peter crucified upside down, and it's just it's an amazing church. Yeah. It's one of the original so when Gregory kind of you know, codified the list. It's changed somewhat since the time of Gregory, but this was one of the original ones that Gregory made. Hmm. Interesting. And right now it is a, so we've talked about titular churches. Yeah. And some of the earlier podcasts. So this is an American titular church. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's one of the American churches. There's one more thing really neat about this church that... I want to talk about the lobster. Ooh, no. Talk about the lobster. Oh, I vaguely remember this. <laughs> talk about the lobster. I don't know about the lobster on one of the, I don't know if it's a tomb or if it's like a, like some plaque that's a memorial or somebody or something, but there's a lobster on it. So just on the wall, there's a. That's odd. Yeah. Huh. Well, well, was I was thinking of the Maccabees, so it's tradition. Oh, yeah, that's that much more are, interesting than a lot. There's, <laughs> there's a um, underneath the high altar. There's a kind of urn or a case of of bones, now ashes, that are believed to belong to the the Maccabee brothers from the Book of Maccabees, who you know revolted in the Jewish revolt and reclaimed the city of Jerusalem. So that's yeah, kind of cool. That's there, it's a cool story. You oh, it's very cool. I'll yeah. read it. Yeah. That's very cool. So, so St. Peter yeah, Chains, San Pietro and Vincoli, Monte Neighborhood, Michelangelo's Moses, some chains, Maccabees, and a lobster. What more could you <laughs> <Cool>. want? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So And so when you do visit this church, just know if if it's normal times, it's usually pretty crowded because so many art students go to visit the Moses. But you should go anyway. Don't wait until your fifth trip to visit. No. Good. Well, happy first Monday of Lent. Yeah, happy Lent, Monday everyone. Monday of the first week of Lent. And we'll be back tomorrow with Tuesday's Station Church. Yep. Good stories at Tuesday's Church. I can't wait. There's always a good story. <laughs> Is it one of your favorites? It's, <laughs> it's not always. one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. But it has some really cool stuff. Until then, everyone, thanks for listening. Share, subscribe, and ciao. Rate. And ciao. Ciao, yeah, ciao. And ciao, ciao. <laughs>